This is Christian Book Blurb, brought to you by author and songwriter Matt McClary. Get a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the lives of some of your favourite Christian authors, hear about their books and faith. Also, why not check out my website, mattmcclary.com. Well, hello and welcome to the second episode of Christian Book Blurb. I'm joined today by the fiction author, Ruth Lee. Hi, Ruth. Hi, Matt. Nice to be here. Thanks so much for, for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to our chat. Um, just so people sort of um, get an idea and a, a sort of sense of, of your personality and, and of your writing style and things, let's, let's start off by talking about um, the books that you've written um, and a little bit about them. Sure. Well, I've written two books so far. They're called The Diary of Isabella M. Smooge and The Trials of Isabella M. Smooge. Um, and they're about a rather snobbish, aspirational lifestyle blogger who thinks she's fantastic, huge following on Instagram, makes lots and lots of money out of um, posting her perfect images on social media. Mm. And she decides to leave her house in London and move out to the countryside and things start to go a bit wrong. So they're funny, um, they're contemporary fiction, Christian fiction, humour. Underneath all the, the laughs, there's quite a sad vein coming out because she's mm. um, she's obviously got quite a lot of sadness that she's very carefully managed to hide all her life. But when she moves, there are certain triggers that start to bring that out. You start to see the other side of her. Would you say it fits into the chiclet genre in, in some respects? <laughs> yes, that's, that's been suggested. Um, I have been described as Christian chiclet. Um, <laughs> you could say that. Yeah, I guess. Um, it's, it's a light, easy read, but it does have hidden depths. Yeah, yeah. And... I always find this quite fascinating when speaking to um, authors who write fiction um, and in different sort of areas of fiction, of course, yours, yours is a specific genre within that. How do you sort of reconcile your faith or reflect your faith in the, the story that you're telling? Yeah, well, when I find out the answer to that one, Matt, I'll let you know. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> is it really. Um, this all came about so unexpectedly and so suddenly for me. Um, I found myself writing fiction, which I never have before, with a Christian um, thread running through it again, never have done that before. But it just seemed, it, I don't want to sound boastful when I say this, it seemed easy. I'm sure that was God's hand on it because I, my, most of my Christian life has been spent either in youth work or talking to people who don't normally come to church. So I used to do the talks for Cafe Church, which were aimed at people who would never normally come to a church. Mm. That's always been my thing. So I suppose I was ready to write about a woman who is very um, typical of most of the UK's population, someone who knows a bit, you know, knows about sheep and arcs and blind men and that kind of thing, but isn't a Christian by any means, doesn't really know what it's about, and yet meets people who are Christians and is drawn in by their amazing love and compassion. So it was quite easy to write her as a person because – that's something I know all about. And everybody else just seemed to follow. Mm. You, you mentioned that um, writing these books, um, Isabella M. Smooge books, um, kind of fell in your lap, uh, sort of mm. unexpectedly. How did that come about? Totally and utterly unexpectedly. Um, I've never, ever thought I would ever write a novel. Um, I've always written, but it's always been factual. So I got asked to contribute to the Association of Christian Writers, a monthly blog, weekly. Mm. No, that's wrong. So you have to rewind that bit. It's not <laughs> a blog. That's the one. 
um, but I contribute monthly to it. Um, so this was back in 2019. So I wrote a few blogs and I really enjoyed it. And it seemed to be opening up a part of my brain that I hadn't used before as a writer. And then I was planning out the March blog and I was sitting here in my dining room. It was quite a miserable winter's day, dust everywhere, you know, children's stuff everywhere. You know, it was a sort of typical sort of slightly messy house with children in it. Giggling to myself, thinking, why don't I invent a ludicrous character who is completely the opposite of me? She's got a publishing deal. She's written multiple books. She's incredibly successful. Hmm. Lives in a huge house. I thought probably Georgian. No weeds in her lawn. The children play the lute. You know, everything is perfect in this woman's world. So I was just giggling to myself, thinking, what can I call her? She must, she sounds awful. And I wanted her name to spell out I am smug. Hmm. So quite a while but I came up with Isabella M. Smooge as in Bruges I thought yeah that works so I wrote the first two paragraphs in her voice which was hideously snobbish and annoying and then I reverted to my own voice so I put this thing out in the March 2019 and it got a really good response people really liked it and then two months later I wrote another blog about social media and the effect it can have on us and it was quite a serious piece and I chucked in Isabella M. Smooge again because I thought she would probably be the kind of person that would be on social media saying how wonderful everything was in her world. So that went out on May the 7th in 2020. And, you know, I thought not very much of it, to be honest. I chucked it out there and I got lots and lots of comments, lots of people saying, I want to know more about Isabella M. Smooge and saying, have you thought about writing a novel? To which the answer was no, of course <laughs> I haven't. And then just after two o'clock, I was wandering around the veg patch with my husband. It was a beautiful day. And a message came in from Tony Collins, who had just set up as a literary agent, having spent his life in Christian publishing, saying, hi, Ruth, I think you should think about making Isabella into a novel. How about you write the chapters and a story arc, send it over and I'll pitch it for you. Well, it's a good thing I'm reasonably healthy and strong. Otherwise, I would have passed clean out, mm. swooned on the So I was all of a doodah. So I wrote back to him saying, oh, yes, yes, I'll, I'll do that. And my husband said, right, here's a cup of tea you're a writer, get writing. So I sat down and just bashed out two chapters, which took about mm, three days. And to my amazement, out came all this stuff, this woman, Isabella M. Smooge, and who she was married to and what her children were called and what she was doing. And she went from being a two-dimensional character into being a real person. And I seemed to know her. And that was the beginning of it. Wow. That's that's really quite something. And you said that writing style, that that, that way of, of writing um, your book is just, just kind of flowed out of you. Um, mm, but yeah, in, in previous conversations, you were saying that you, you do a lot of writing in other spheres as well. So you just want to tell us a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah, um, I started out as a freelancer. Well, I still am a freelance writer. Um, that happened for me from 2008. Yes, 2008. That's when I started. So I started writing for a number of Christian charities and I'd find myself writing pieces for uh, magazines, doing interviews. I interview people all the time. I do things on the, on the internet. I do blogs for people, content. And slowly but surely that grew. And now I've got quite a reasonable portfolio, probably half Christian, half secular people that I write for. Hmm. And that's really great. It's a really great discipline for a writer because I've learned um, to write for each client individually. So I might be writing in one style for one charity, but somebody else needs something completely different. I have to get the right number of words. I have to be on time. I have to source images quite often. I have to get the right stories out of the person I'm interviewing, which can be quite hard. Mm. Some people get 
everything you need. Other people, it's like pulling teeth and you only have to really work hard to get the right quotes. So I've spent many years doing that. That must be coming up for 13, 14 years. And that's a great discipline. But of course, it's all factual. It's very good for your writing muscles, but I'm not making anything up. Mm. Um, Great career to be in because it's taught me so much about the business of writing and writing well, Mm. Um, how to start. You know, you have to hook people in. You have to get people interested in the first few words. Um, So there's a certain way of doing that, and I've learned that. So it's been very helpful. So a lot of that sort of translated into into your fiction writing, Um, hooking people in, creating interesting storylines, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. I mean, for a book to be truly interesting and to be a page turner, which I want it to be, and which many people have been kind enough to say it is, you've got to keep that narrative going along at a cracking pace. Mm. You know, you can't be indulgent. You know, no one is going to read a book that is full of long, boring passages or stuff that you as a writer find fascinating. Maybe other people don't. It has to be fun. It has to be believable. um, And it has to have the narrative driven along constantly. So I've been on a couple of courses. I went on a brilliant writing course with Paul Carenza, which I would certainly recommend. I've read lots and lots of books about the subject of writing, but when it comes down to it, I think we all have our own style and we have our own way of doing it. And I'm I'm always really careful because it it could sound like I'm I'm a bit of an I am smug myself, you know, saying this stuff just flows out, you know, it doesn't take you very long Mm -hmm. to write, but it doesn't. But I think the reason for that is that I've spent my entire life reading almost obsessively. Um, You know, going back to my childhood, I read because there was nothing else to do, literally. Mm. And it was an escape for me. So I read ridiculously mature books at a very young age. And that for me, I suppose I've used books as others might use cigarettes or drinks or drugs. (laughs) It it is almost that obsessive. Not now, more balanced, I think, but certainly in the past. And I think if you read that much and that widely, then your mind surely must be so full of stuff Mm. and you must have absorbed so much about the business of writing and what you like reading, that maybe that's why it flows for me. I I think that must be it. Not because Mm. I'm some ingenious writer. That's not it. Mm. You you, you just mentioned um, a little bit about sort of your childhood and that kind of thing. So I thought it might be an appropriate time in the conversation just to um, speak about um, you a little bit. Um, like who is Ruth hmm. Lee? Where where do you live? Uh, <laughs> we, yep. we already know you kind of do freelance writing, but where do you live? You know, mm. What's your favourite colour? Mm. What's your favourite chocolate? That kind of thing. Oh, I can do that. That's easy. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I live in Suffolk. Um, I live in East Suffolk, uh, in a hamlet, actually. So there's five houses, um, a hall, and lots of fields and pigs and such like. So very, very remote, which is brilliant. Mm. Um, I live with my husband and our three children who are 18, 15, and 13. Um, my favourite colour is green, always has been, always will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favourite chocolate is chocolate. Um, but it would have to be- <laughs> Don't go giving me dark chocolate or white chocolate, Matt. Um, I'd say okay. thank you. I've got lovely manners, but it would really have milk chocolate. And if you pressed me... It would probably be a twirl, I would say. Okay. Oh, my daughter loves twirls. Very good. I love a twirl. Very discerning choice. (laughs) Thank you. Um, How about how about um, faith? We talked about it briefly. Sort of. Do you do you have a faith story? How you came to faith yourself, or or maybe you just want to leave us with a few nuggets of sort of (laughs) pearls of wisdom Uh, that you've learned along the way. I can give you pearls, I can give you nuggets, I can give you a story. 
Um, I'm very good value. Well, the way it happened for me, uh, brought up in a Christian home, went to church every single week, went to Sunday school, went to girls' brigade, knew it all. Um, you know, did these scripture exams we used to do back in the 1970s for some reason, always got top marks, you know, new stuff, but I couldn't feel it. Um, so when I went to grammar school, as it was back then, um, things weren't great for me. Um, didn't have a good time at all. Uh, lots of bad stuff happened and I sort of did, I was taken away from it, let's say. I didn't drift away, I was taken away from it. And then in my 20s, by which time I was living in Exeter in Devon, um, there was a series of events, I think, which is conspire the right word, possibly, which conspired to get me back um, onto my own faith journey, uh, thanks to some lovely people and a very determined pastor. Um, I found it for myself and my 20s were really spent, I think, in exploring that and growing slowly. And um, by my 30s, I got baptised. I went to Alpha. And when we moved up here 15, 16 years ago, um, God was very clear that it was time to go and that he had a job for me up here. And my time, much of my time in Suffolk was spent this with this ministry that he gave me, which was um, women you know, who weren't, who weren't going to church particularly, just talking to them, running a toddler group, running groups, sharing faith in a very gentle way. Um, yeah, so I did that a lot, which was really great, actually. I really loved that. Hmm. Thank you. Um, that, that's really good. And uh, coming back to coming back to your books, um, with with kind of your your story and life experience. Um, how how far along does Isabella go in her journey? Um, is she on a faith journey herself, would you say, or, or not particularly? She is. She's certainly on a journey. I'd say it's more redemptive, really. It's a redemptive arc, to use the classic phrase. Um, when we first meet her, she's not a likable person. Nearly all my readers, and I should also say, you could call me chicklet, but I think you should also call me chaplet, because I have turned quite a few chaps along the way. Um, who don't either don't read or don't really think a book by a girl with a pink cover is something they would like to read. And actually, um, I've got some really devoted male readers, which is great. And they've all said the same thing. Oh, Ruth, we couldn't stand that woman at the beginning. I mean, they were literally gnashing their teeth because she's everything that you just don't want to be around, you know, really quite horrible without meaning to be, uh, really up herself, you know, everything's perfect. Look at me, look at me. The sort of thing that chaps don't like anyway. Um, so she starts off very unlikable. Um, but, but the key thing for her, I think, is that she, she's in the playground in this strange place. It's the old fish out of water trope, which is the basis for so many successful sitcoms and films. She doesn't belong there. She doesn't know anybody. She's different to everybody else and she doesn't speak the language. But the first person who comes and approaches her and is kind to her just happens to be the vicar's wife. Um, and so begins a journey which is about finding out what true friendship is. Yeah, definitely finding out about the Christian faith, which she knows nothing about. Um, but it's, for me, it's got to be realistic. I've said often before when I've been interviewed that I'm not at all a fan of the type of Christian fiction where just because we're getting to the last chapter, everybody have to, has to become a Christian. Now, that's not how life works. That's not realistic. And I wouldn't, I would never write that because it's not authentic. So she does what I have observed people to do you know she comes to church and thinks good lord what is this and there's this whole strange subculture that if if you are a regular church girl you don't even think about it 
in the second book, she goes along to what's called Share Your Story Sunday. So it's a kind of testimony service. And she's just completely thrown by the worship, which is very loud and contemporary and consists of teenagers strumming guitars with their eyes shut. And then she can't understand why when people are singing, everyone keeps putting their hands up, you know, because she would associate that with wanting to put your hand up because you want something. We want to say something. She can't understand it. And, you know, she finds the whole thing deeply weird. And then people keep talking about the PCC. She doesn't know what that is. You know, it's this strange language and strange behaviour to her. Mm. But because she starts to get to know people in the church who seem to be quite normal, she starts to think, well, maybe it's not quite as bad as I thought, but it is a very gradual process because often that is the way truly that it is. Yeah, no, that's that's really helpful. Um, and I think people will be able to relate to that a lot more um, when it's true to life rather than some kind of airbrushed um, perfect oh. image that <laughs> some people are trying so you've written two books um remind us of what the mm -hmm. titles are okay the first one is called the diary of isabella m smooge and the second one is called the trials of isabella m smooge because everything went a bit wrong in the first book in book two she's wrestling with some quite difficult situations okay and how many more books do you think um about isabella uh, have mm. you got in the pipeline or, or in your in your head <laughs> space or, or wh yeah. where where is it going yeah, well it seems to be going on quite a bit um at the moment book three is marinating nicely in my head and i've started noting it up that will be called the life and continued times of it's better and smooch um at the end of book two one of the main characters has some quite serious health problems that you're going to massively impact on poor isabella so book three will be about that and some other stuff. Um, and I assumed, well, so I always assumed I wrote the first one and then the second one just had sort of happened as well. I thought a trilogy would be perfect. But the more I think about it, the more I think there might be a little bit more to it than that. So I'm definitely going to do number three. Then I might do something else that's smooth related, but not a novel. I've got another novel I wrote ages ago, which I want to get published as well. And then I think we might try number four. So I don't know how far this is going to go, Matt. Hopefully quite a long way. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I really hope it does. Um, my wife read your first book and really enjoyed it. Oh, she did she? she? Yeah, she kind of got to the end and was like, oh, it's stopped. It's finished. I need to know. I need to know. So, <laughs> Well, listen, she, she can know. Literally, I have got number two sitting here. If she wants a signed copy, it's hers. <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you. Um, so, yes. Um, what? Tell us about this other book that you've written that, that you're hoping to, to get published, perhaps. Yeah, well, I wrote that before Isabella. Um, that was a lockdown book as well. I was, I was just sitting in bed reading because um, I had all this time because all my work had dried up and I was rereading Pride and Prejudice for the umpteenth time. And suddenly this thought popped into my head. Once upon a time there must have been this pretty young girl called Miss Gardiner who lived in a small town in Hertfordshire. And one day she ran into a handsome young man and the young man fell passionately in love with her and married her. And they became Mr. and Mrs. Bennett. And I thought, now, has anyone ever written about this young girl before she became Mrs. Bennett? And I thought, bet they have. So I found myself writing this story. Um, and then I thought, hang on a minute. How about if I write a series of short stories about all the characters in Pride and Prejudice that were only mentioned once or just in passing or just, just tiny, tiny appearances, not the main characters, and there were loads of them. 
So I started off with Mrs. Bennett and then I carried on and wrote all these short stories. And I just loved it because I think one of the things I really enjoy doing is writing in a particular voice. So because I read a lot of 18th and century, 19th century fiction, and I read a lot of that period's biography, autobiography, you know, books about the writers about the time, I find it really interesting. I'm able to get into that voice the way that people did speak back then. Um, they were vastly amused um, and they would talk in a different way, you know, be diverted rather than interested, you know, different, a different language. So I wrote all these short stories um, and I'm on the last one. And I thought, how about if I took each of the six major novels by Austin and did the same thing, took all these people who just appear once or just a tiny, tiny supporting role and give them a story. So that's what I've done. So the Pride and Prejudice one is almost done. And I really would love to get that published if I could. Um, if nobody wants it, I will possibly self-publish it. Mm. And what what are you toying with as a possible title? Yeah, it's really difficult, actually. The working title is a great deal of ingenuity, which is something that Austin herself called something in a letter, because um, I've read all her letters recently. Um, but it probably won't end up being called that. Mm. It'll be something yeah titles titles are, are curious beasts aren't they i i find titles are are very interesting and and i i personally go through three four maybe five different permutations of of different possible yeah. titles that could be called yeah and my wife my wife thinks i'm a bit crazy really because sometimes i like to start with the title <laughs> and that then sparks <laughs> yeah, everything else comes from it and, and yeah she sees this look on my face and she says oh no you've thought of another title haven't you I'm like, oh, <laughs> funny you should say that yeah um, mm. <laughs> but yeah no i like titles um yeah but not, mm. yeah i'm sure you'll find the right thing that fits um when mm. the time comes. i hope so yeah brilliant well, Ruth, thank you so much for joining us on um, Christian, Christian Book Blurb. It's been great chatting with you, um, learning about mm. a bit about your life and your writing and your books. It's been truly fascinating. I, I, I hope that, you know, all goes well with the two books that are published. And I look forward to the third that's coming out. Thank you. Soon. That'd be really good. Um, do enjoy um, a, a flake after this, if possible. <laughs> I will. <laughs> and <laughs> thank you so much for, for joining us. And thank you as well for listening to the Christian Book Blurb. Um, we will be back next month with another interview with another Christian author. And yeah, I do hope that you'll join us again then. Thank you and goodbye. Thanks for listening to Christian Book Blurb with your host, Matt McClary. Do give it a like, give it a share and let your friends know all about it. We do hope to see you again soon on another Christian Book Blurb.